the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to living the Christian life, understanding the divine acceptance we have in Christ and the privileges that come with that, it really comes down to a changed identity, as we'll see next. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. It is that saved and knowing it and your life showing it that is really what's on tap today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hi there. Welcome to our program. We're continuing our series, Living the Christian Life, and today we focus on the changed identity that comes with this divine acceptance we've learned about earlier this week. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. We're talking on a series at night on living the Christian life as God intended. And uh, we, I see so many people that are not living the Christian life who say they're Christians. And I, my line is they're too miserable for it to be the Christian life. Uh, that can't be called an abundant life. I've come to give you life and that more abundantly, John 10.10. And so that uh, we're not uh, saved to be happy-go-lucky. It's not that we don't have sorrows. doesn't mean we don't have life issues. But there's this uh, deep-seated peace between us and God that uh, no matter the storm, no matter the ups and downs, when you're anchored in God and you know these things, you have this reservoir you're drawing from uh, to live for God. And so I'm trying to deal with those truths that when they're anchored in your heart, uh, they will keep you in all kinds of weather, every circumstance, every age of your life, because they're anchored in God. Um, So, what we want to talk about tonight is that the Christian life is a life of new identity. New identity. And uh, look, if you will, we're going to be looking at Romans 5, 12 through 21. And... um, I better read it, then we'll come back to it later. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. You notice that strong past tense? All sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who do not, did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern or a type of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin, 
and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were constituted, would be a better word, were constituted sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be constituted, once again, righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul has been talking about this great truth of how a guilty sinner can be made right before God. We call it justification. It's really the Latin word from the Greek word dikaios. The Latin had the word justified, justification. And the issue is, uh, how is it that a guilty sinner, the moment they believe in Jesus Christ, are constituted and declared right in the sight of God? And he's developed this through the work of Christ in chapter 3. He began to tell us that God does something called imputation in chapter 4. And that is, God is able to put things to your credit, good or bad, that you had nothing to do with. And he's going to illustrate really where he's going. He's going to show you that God has justified you because someone represented you before him. But before he does that, he has to show you that somebody else represented you that brought you condemnation and brought you under the sentence of God. And this is a thing we don't identify much with because we're such an autonomous, independent people in America. Uh, we broke away from the king of England. We, we want to be landowners, independent. But in most cultures, the chief represented the village. You would talk about clans. You would talk about peoples. And you see, in the mind of God, the whole human race is represented in the head of the race, Adam. And this representation of all that would be in him is a type or a pattern of another race of men that would be represented under Jesus Christ. So that we have Adam and then the last Adam. So God sees the entire human family represented as fallen, condemned, constituted sinners in Adam. And to be constituted righteous in his sight, it's not that they've lived a perfect life, but that they now know they're being represented by him who is perfectly righteous, the God-man. Now, look at the definition. 
To be justified by God is to be declared righteous in his sight because of the righteousness of Christ being imputed to the believing sinner. Christ's righteousness put to your credit. Then, the meaning of impute is to put to one's credit. What is charged or credited to one may be good or bad. And here's the three great imputations of the Bible. Number one, Adam's original sin is imputed to the human race. And he's going to say, through one man's sin, through one man's trespass, through one man's offense, the many were constituted sinners. Physical death came. Spiritual death came. You could say all you want. It's not true of me. God only deals with my individual acts. And yet you all inherited death. Physical, spiritual, you inherited death. Even infants die. Do they die for their own personal sin? No. But they die because of sin. And it's the sin going all the way back to Adam. Matter of fact, he's got, watch how he develops this. It's very interesting what he says in verse 13 through 14. Before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. What he is saying, we've got Adam, and we come down here about, oh, the Exodus was about 1445 B.C. So let's take, add uh, two years to the Exodus. Let's say, oh, well, Exodus, within a year, God gives the law, let's say 1446. But going all the way back to Adam, from Adam to Moses, people were dying. But they could not be dying because they were breaking the law of Moses because it didn't exist. But death comes with breaking a law. Death comes as penalty. For what penalty could people be dying when they didn't even have a law they could be breaking? And he says, they were dying because of the first sin. They were dying for the original sin. Adam represented the race in the garden, and when he sinned, God said, you shall die, and that death sentence passed on to his entire posterity, physical death, spiritual death, so that the the whole race is dead in sins and trespasses from birth on until they know Christ. So that is Adam's original sin, but then there's a second imputation, and that is sin imputed to Christ. And he says that in 2 Corinthians. He's going to say it's the free gift of God. The grace that is greater in this chapter is God has transferred our sin to Christ. And he's allowed Christ to represent his people. And Christ has stepped in the place of penalty. Christ has brought life, brought righteousness. How can that be? How how could a sinner say, I've earned eternal life. I've earned the status. You really didn't. A representative earned it. And when you accept the representative and you're immersed into him, what he did for good, God puts to your credit. It's overwhelming. Finally, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to his people. That's the third righteousness. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. Why do we sing this song? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. 
I am a new creation in Him. I can approach the presence of God with no condemnation of sin. How can you be so bold before the throne? Because God has given me that status in my representative. You can be that bold because you're being represented day and night before the throne anyway. You know what? If you never prayed, you're being prayed for because your representative is before the throne. It's wonderful. So, all of mankind is found in one of two men, the first Adam or the last Adam. Just as the race was condemned on the ground of the imputation of Adam's one sin, even so believers are justified on the ground of the imputation of Christ's righteousness. The central idea of Romans 5, 12 through 21, is that men are saved in precisely the same manner in which they were lost through the act of another. You get that? Now, now here is is a dilemma, Um, and it's very common. You'll hear people say, this is not fair. This is not fair that I could be guilty of something. If I'm going to be guilty of eating the apple, I want to get to eat the apple. At least I'd get to know what it tastes like. Huh? Uh, this This isn't fair. Well, don't we live even in a representative government? You'd be amazed what your representatives vote for that you wouldn't want them to vote for. But you wind up bearing it. But here, God says, it may not be fair, but don't mess with the first Adam. If he can't represent you, he's a type of another. He's a type or a picture of one to come because this has to stand representing you, constituting you in one man, so that on the other side, it's not fair that Christ could represent you. It's absolutely not fair. It's grace. And he keeps saying, it's the much more grace of God. It's greater than the condemnation. In condemnation, I lost in this Christ again. Look at the chart here. The first Adam, a type of Christ. And look at that verse 14. As did Adam, who was a type of the one to come. So you've got two men in all of history. Look at the acts they commit. When we come to the acts, verse 15, one trespass. Verse 16, one man's sin. Verse 17, 18, and 19, one man's disobedience. Then he contrasts this with Christ. Verse 18, one man's act of righteousness. One man's act of righteousness. How can God declare you righteous? If he can get me under this new representative, I could be in a righteous status. But I got to get out of this guy to get into this one. And that is what transacts when God saves you. Now, um, notice it's one man's obedience in verse 19. So he's contrasting one act, trespass, sin, disobedience, Christ over here, one act of obedience, one man's active obedience. Let me tell you something the theology talks about. They talk about the active and passive obedience of Christ. 
The active obedience of Christ is when he was born, he was born at a time when the law of Moses was still in force. And he actively kept every part of the legal command of God in the law of Moses. He's the only one that ever kept it perfectly. That's his active obedience. So when he represents you, you get positive credit for having kept all the law. That's his active obedience. His passive obedience was he submitted to the penalty of the law for sin, and so he died as a substitute for those who broke the law, and that was all of us. So when he represents you, you get credit for having died under the penalty of the law and met all the exactness of that penalty. It has been totally paid by you in your representative. So I stand before God righteous because I could say, I've kept all the law in Christ. I've died under all the penalties of the law in Christ. Take that law. Take that sin. I have a new identity. I'm under someone that I get positive credit. You were not only forgiven sin when God saved you. We always talk about, I was forgiven, forgiven, and that's wonderful. But that's only one side of it. That's the penalty side. Forgiven for the sin because you died in Christ. But you've now also been given credit as being a perfect law keeper in Christ. Don't try it on your own. You'll break a commandment before you get out the building. But in your representative, you get credit for both active, passive obedience of Christ. Two results of what these men did. Verse 12, because of what Adam did, sin entered the world through one man. Even if you didn't think Adam, you were represented in Adam, where did sin permeate the human family? One man. It broke out in one man. Uh, what came as a result of that sin? Death. And uh, infants die. Babies, that is one of the greatest arguments that sin must, we must have all been guilty of that first act or else there wouldn't be physical death in the human race. And that's what he says in verses 12 through 14. Whether we like it, understand it, accept it or not, that's where the physical death problem comes from. And the hardest funerals in the world, I think, is that of the infant or the child that you know they didn't commit an act of sin. But why are we burying them? Some way, sin has touched them through the sin of Adam. Uh, Verse 16 says, it was judgment. God brought judgment on us because of this act of sin. Judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. And condemnation means liable to penalty. He's going to judge you. Now look at what Christ did. Christ brings about, verse 15 and 17, a free gift, the free gift of himself. Verse 15 and 17, he brought grace in what he did. He offers the gift of righteousness in verse 17. 
He offers life in verse 18. He offers justification in 18, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21. Anybody need a note? Just raise your hand. He'll give you one. Uh, so, were you able to write those down? Did I go too fast? Are they up there? Okay, good. So, watch this little chart here. All sinned in Adam, the entire race. And Adam is their representative. But for all of God's saved people, commonly called the elect, all those in Christ, we get all the results of what Christ produced. He's our new representative. And he's using this two-man theology to say, we're simply saying we've been represented by another who's given us a status we never could have earned on our own, but that's our new identity. By the way, let me show you this principle of another representing you. Turn to uh, Hebrews, an interesting passage, Hebrews 7. Then we'll go to the application and take questions. Uh, Take uh, Hebrews 7, 4. Look how it's illustrated. He's arguing that Melchizedek was a greater high priest than Levi. Melchizedek was a real priest. He was a king priest, lived in Jerusalem, time of Abram. But we have no genealogy on him. Uh, But he's superior. Christ's priesthood is compared to his. Now, he proves the superiority of his priesthood by the very fact that Abram, Abram used him for his high priest, not a Levitical priest. Now watch. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, their brothers. Even though their brothers are descended from Abraham... This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, that's Melchizedek. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. He's giving the blessing. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. We call that seminal representation. And that is Abraham is giving the tenth to Melchizedek And God's looking down here and saying, in the loins, in the seminal bank of Abraham, in his posterity, were the 12 tribes of Israel. And Levi was one of those sons. And God says, guess what? Levi acknowledged the greatness of Melchizedek over his priesthood because not having yet been born, but in the loins of Abraham, he was given credit that he paid tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek never did send him a receipt for it, but he did it. Because he was in the loins of his father Abraham. 
You get it? So Adam had the whole human race in his loins. And so that what he did, God charged the whole human race. And God's answer for it was, I will start a new race of men and women, and it will be under the last Adam, and he shall represent my people, those that will come to me, and he will offer a free gift through one act of righteousness. He will obey. He will do everything I wanted the first Adam to do, but who failed. But he will bring life. He will bring righteousness. He'll bring a right standing, and he will represent a people just as the first Adam represents a fallen race. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.